Welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DKPittsburghSports.com's podcast network. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and we've got a special guest today, a friend of mine from the Locked On Podcast Network and the host of the Locked On Vikings podcast, Luke Braun. Luke, thanks so much for coming to the show. You know, I, I know people always talk about NFL teams, and that's normally where, where a lot of our content's focused, but this being a pitch show, the Vikings yeah. already had a pit offensive lineman Mm-hmm. And now they've drafted two pit defenders in the same year. Are you guys becoming pit north is what I want to ask. Little bit. Yeah. <laughs> they love they were all over the ACC this year. They drafted 11 players, five of them from the ACC including their first wow. round pick, Christian Dersaw out of uh, Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. two pit guys, Janarius Robinson out of FSU and Chaz Surratt out of uh, UNC. So yeah. all over the ACC this year. Yeah, and the ACC had a lot of really good numbers. There were multiple teams with five drafted players. Uh, Pitt had six drafted players. Wow. Um, And and Notre Dame, though they're not officially part of the ACC, they played ACC last year because of the pandemic, and Mm -hmm. they had nine players drafted. So a heck of a year for the ACC in in, in a a whole. Um, But I I wanted to talk to you, Luke, because Pitt fans are always interested as to – where their players are going, you know, and, and there's plenty of pit play, you know, Aaron Donald crushing the league and everyone look, looks for him. And there's Larry Fitzgerald, you know, finishing up his career and there's all sorts of guys, but you know, this, this last batch of pit players, it's been, you know, it's been a long time since the pit, since pit has seen six guys go in the draft. Um, and Patrick Jones and Jalen Twyman, two people, two players that pit, pit fans have been really excited about to see where they go and how they do. They went a little bit later than some expected. I thought Patrick Jones was mm-hmm. kind of in the, in the, the wrong possibility, but I wanted to talk to you with what, when, when you were going into the draft and, and you're covering the Vikings wall to wall and you, you saw their, you, you saw their needs. Did you see when you were buying players were these guys that you kind of put on your radar or where was this kind of were these kind of picks that were just kind of just way out there? You're like, okay, like I guess because every team kind of picks those at some point. Sure. By day three, I'll be honest, my research kind of peters out, and uh, the guys that look. I've spent a lot of time on are gone. Right. Yeah, uh, I I spent a little bit of time on Patrick Jones before the draft, but not too much. The lion's share of what I know about him came after the Vikings drafted him. I think I had a loose high fourth round grade on him, and he went in the late third. So like, sure. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't really done anything on on Jalen Twyman, so I didn't know about him. Um, but you know, I double dipping on the defensive line was definitely something they needed. They have a lot of defensive line picks from over the last few years whose contracts are expiring or who have already been cut, like Jalen Holmes and Jaleel Johnson, uh, who already uh, had his contract expire. So they definitely had some depth needs. So defensive line in day three, I thought they needed to go defensive line a lot earlier in the draft and maybe go for like Joseph Asai out of Texas. They actually Mm -hmm. had access to him at pick 66 when they took Kellen Mond. Um, or, you know, trading up, they had all kinds of ammunition to trade up if they wanted to go in for somebody in the second round, like Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, who went to the Giants. Um, they could have gone for a lot of those things, but they kind of double dipped on offensive line and then figured out defensive line later. And so that so we kind of got the day three guys that we're talking about now. Yeah, I, 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 I get that. And um, w- one thing that was interesting was 
Pitt fans were excited to see, they were hopeful to see some of the guys go a little bit earlier, like like Rashad Weaver, because of his really strong senior mm-hmm. season, they, they were hoping that he would go second round. Um, I, I was predicting that he might go second to third. Patrick Jones would go third to fourth. But I thought Jalen Twyman would go a little bit earlier, uh, like in the fourth round, just because he ranked, he was like, you know, a consensus across the board coming off of his, uh, his 2019 season. He was like a, a first round at the latest early second round pick, but not playing for a year drop obviously dropped his his stock very quickly and then he didn't have the best pro day outside of his bench press um I, I, i'm just i'm curious what's what's been kind of the early reaction you know rookie camp has been a thing for, for you guys mm-hmm. and you you know be able to see them in their new numbers what's the sense of excitement at least in minnesota for at least patrick jones who you know third round draft pick and and, and like you said the vikings do need to replenish their defensive front and usually when you when you pick a guy you know, at, at that stage, you're get you're getting a guy who you're hoping to at least contribute somewhat this year. Yeah. So, what I guess Pitt fans should know about the Vikings is that the other defensive end spot opposite Daniil Hunter is wide open. That's what I it is a totally open competition right now. I would say the the chalk starter that's the guy you have to beat to get the job is Stephen Weatherly, who had a terrible year in Carolina and he signed for a two point five million dollar contract, which is not very much in this particular environment. Most of it unguaranteed. So that's like you're not even like guaranteed to make that team with a contract like that. Like that's no pedigree at all. So it is open season on Weatherly or DJ Wanham uh, is also somebody that he was a, a rookie last year who the team is kind of high on and, and Patrick Jones and to some degree, Janarius Robinson, although he's much more of a project raw type player than, I mean, Jones is a little more pro ready, I think. Um, I, so I think those three will chiefly like compete for the job and it's just kind of whoever has the best camp in preseason, which is usually how it goes. Right. Um, but I think if Patrick Jones can make that NFL transition and you never really know, right. Cause it's a leap yeah. in intensity yeah. it's a different environment and all that stuff but if he can make that transition and i think if he can play the way he played at pit and add a couple of little thing a little bit of finish to his game I agree. um then i i think he could win that job day one if he has a fantastic camp mm. i i'm not expecting him to I, I think that would be unrealistic for you know a late third round pick yeah um but i think the, the opportunity is there for him if he has a good enough camp. And to be honest, he doesn't have to win it by, by, by week one. You know, by week eight, he could be, you know, getting more and more snaps. I think he'll be in the rotation right away. Everybody is. Um, and so, you know, if he can make something out of those opportunities, like the opportunities won't dry up after training camp like they do at other positions. No, yeah, that, that kind of stuff, I, we do see that play out a lot how, you know, as – as training camp goes on, you know, they a team may develop a, a starter, but you're still going to get reps. You're still going to get shots, especially in the preseason when you're getting guys to move around. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little interested to see what kind of things that Patrick Jones does add on to his game, because as a person who covered him all this past year, you know, I, I looked at him and I was like, man, this guy has different moves. He, he can he can get around a little bit. And when he when he locks in and he gets he, he executes, move, he does do a good job at, you know, at finishing a play. But one thing that Pat Narduzzi, Pitt's head coach, has said for years about Patrick Jones is how coachable he is and how how, mm-hmm. how, how, how much he bought into Pitt's system. Um, and I, I think that that's something that Vikings fans might be able to, might, might get behind on a guy. But that's one thing. I think that most of the sure. guys that Pitt turned, turned out this year into the draft, they're all like team first. Uh, like, like Jimmy Morrissey was drafted in the seventh round by the Raiders. You know, he's a center who 
would be who was a walk-on and became a center that that those kind of guys they bought into pat narduzzi's program i'm very intrigued to see what how patrick jones as a guy with that reputation kind of works his way into the Vikings coach room because you know that that's a staff that they, they, there's an interesting direction I think the Vikings are going as a franchise right now yeah and you should probably know about that staff Andre Patterson who is now uh, assistant head coach and he's kind of been working his way up the ranks the last couple of years but he's been in the org um, his first stint in the org was back in the 90s um, and he coached John Randall and he went somewhere else, came back, and he's been coaching, you know, since I want to say like 2010 or so. Uh, you know, he coached up Everson Griffin. He coached up uh, Brian Robeson, Daniil Hunter, and uh, a lot of guys, basically everybody that's come through Minnesota. A lot of the defensive linemen that come through Minnesota outperform their draft stock in some way. Stephen Weatherly, even. He was a seventh-round pick, and now he's like a, you know, a guy that got a starting contract with Carolina, even though that didn't work out. Way better than most sevenths. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, so I, it's he's a legendary defensive line coach, and a lot of like every defensive lineman gets real excited when they realize that they got drafted by Minnesota because they get to play for Andre Patterson. Everybody loves him, um, and so yeah, with with how coachable he is and the coaching he's gonna get, it's hard not to project some level of improvement uh, when it comes to some technique stuff, like the, the way he fights with his hands, um, the way that he. To me, he's a little bit on autopilot, and I think if he can get more improvisational, almost mm. I want him to be more reactive but like reactive with a purpose i don't want him to just wing it um but like you know if if a lineman doesn't flash his hands he'll still club and right. it's like okay you're just on autopilot that's just a muscle memory thing that's part of your pass rush move um and it's wasted motion if he can um kind of change the mentality to be a little bit more read and react and a little bit more um, you know, purposefully countering what the offensive lineman does, I think a lot of that ability comes. I actually really like the way he gets off uh, the snap. Okay. Um, and I really like his – the Vikings love to start with a speed-to-power move when they're developing a defensive lineman. If you don't have speed-to-power, you're going to get speed-to-power. Mm. Um, and I love Patrick Jones for that because I think he does have a decent amount of power. I like his get-off, and I think that can really work out as like a first move for him. See, I, I like I've always liked Patrick Jones's hands when he gets when he like when he gets his hands and he gets to work on somebody. Uh, you know, I, that's that's when I'm like, ooh, he's in a really good spot. And that, see, I've never heard that heard, heard someone describe it way. That, that's a brilliant way of saying on autopilot, because there's several times I'm in a pit game. And it's kind of like you see like if if he hits what he, what he if he sees what he wants to see, he's making a play or at mm -hmm. least he's he's creating pressure for off of, off of his edge. I think it's a very good description of, of of the way that he plays. But there but there are times and I think this is something Rashad Weaver did more where you saw him switch out of what you normally expected of him. And you know Rashad Weaver he beats right. to his inside gap a little bit more or he'd kind of catch you off guard. Patrick Jones doesn't always catch someone off guard as much as he unless he sneaks up on you with his power and when he gets into contact and he's just tor you know, he's just torquing his body off around the edge and that's where I think he can make his make his money. But Man, that's uh, that, 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 I think that's a very good description on your end of, of how he plays. I'm intrigued to see how he works with with those line mm -hmm. coaches. Um, but I wanted to. We're gonna take a quick break. I wanted to talk to you more, Luke, about Jalen Twyman because yeah. there was a there was a really interesting. Like, I, you know, we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit. There was a video of when he was called, and there's a lot that goes into this this young man's story. We're gonna talk about that right after this break.
back here on the H2P podcast here on DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm Chris Carter here with Luke Braun of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Luke, we are talking about the two guys that, that were drafted by the Vikings, of course, Patrick Jones and Jalen Twyman. Now, Jalen Twyman, very interesting because, you know, this time last year when we were heading into this and Twyman didn't announce that he was opting out of the season uh, on the 2020 season until like August. And I remember writing mm-hmm. that up and going into that, like, I, you know, I was following the draft network and all these people, all these different sites that ranked people. And he was ranked as either, you know, number one, number two, number three defensive tackle going into this class. Uh, but then when he opted out, you know, he didn't play all year and he opted, he never, you know, he never touched the field. Um, and then his draft stock just plummeted extremely, mm-hmm. extremely. And, um, and then he had his pro day where he put up 40 bench press reps and Aaron Donald was there and was like, Oh my goodness, that's ridiculous. For the um, eight second three cone. <laughs> but it's like, but that's the thing is his lower body numbers were, 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 were what scared everybody. It showed like, Oh my goodness. And, and, and it's kind of not surprising when you watch how Twyman plays, at least from my perspective, when he, when he's at, when he was at the line in 2019, and again, this is two years ago now that we're talking of tape from, but I see this guy just clubbing people, moving people out of his way with his, with his strength. When you looked at him, I wanted to get a sense. What's your evaluation as far as how he fits in with what the Vikings are doing and what kind of development he's going to need? Yeah, so I, I try to think of it through the lens of the Vikings. So if I pretend I'm the Vikings, try to think like the Vikings. Yes. Um, and, and the Vikings asked him immediately to shed a bunch of weight. Yeah. And so what, I'm guessing here. But what I think happens is he probably weighed in lower than you than a defensive tackle would want to weigh in uh, at the end of 2019. He probably, somebody probably told him, you got to gain a little weight. Mm-hmm. If you're going to opt out, you got to put on some bulk. And, you know, when you weigh in, otherwise you're... Teams are going to deem you too light. They're going to knock you down in their draft boards. And he said, okay. And then he hit the weight room like nobody's business. And if you've seen videos of him, like, during that time, like, during his pro day and stuff, he looks like he's made out of circles. Like, he's just absolutely gets ripped. Um, (laughs) He's he's a beanstalk. Like, he's like one of those little, like, pea pods. Uh, (laughs) Like, he's just totally yoked, right? And just, it's like all bulk. And then he puts up 40 bench press reps, loses all his agility, all his speed, and he can't do yeah. the jumps. Right. So I think he just bulked up too much and bombed his pro day. And that was just a, like a weight, a weight regimen decision that somebody gave him some bad advice and he made a bad weight regimen decision. Mm-hmm. So then you opt out. It's been a year since everybody saw you play. Yeah. And that has it. That didn't stop, you know, the Bengals from drafting Jamar Chase, right? Like right. that's not a death sentence on its own. No. But. You do that, you come back, you bomb your pro day, and a lot of teams just aren't going to look too deep into the context. They go like, oh, he must have got out of shape. Or, you know, he must not be the athlete he once was or something right. like that. And it's like, oh, well, all right, I guess not. And then they bump him down the draft boards a lot. So that's why I think he fell. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also something to be said, like, if you do gain a lot of weight, like biomechanically, if you gain a ton of muscle and then shed that muscle, you m- don't always get the athleticism back. And so there is some level of risk of like, how athletic is this guy now? We just kind of don't know. And the six-round Vikings say, ah, whatever, we'll throw a six-rounder at it. That's fine. And, and they definitely liked him, and, and his tape is good and all that. Um, but I know that's not all there is to his story because there's the, the his relationship with Aaron Donald. Yes. Um, and his the, the fact that he really tries to emulate that style of play I think is just neat as hell. I just love it mm-hmm. uh, that he tries to be – I mean, Aaron Rod- or Aaron, Rod- Aaron Donald <laughs> is uh, – can you tell his uh, – NFC North, yay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's like, ah, ah, how do you get? (laughs) Waking up in cold sweats. 
Hey, listen, Tom Brady does that to Pittsburgh people. So <laughs> it's okay. It's going to be the Chargers soon. <laughs> oh, uh, don't, don't you dare! <laughs> <laughs> but no, the the like Aaron Donald. I I always think of him as an edge rusher against guards. Like he's just the next, the other edge rusher because he, he tries to, you know, he beats you to the outside. He'll like rip under a guard. He'll like kind of take a lot of edge rusher type moves and that's how he penetrates. And so, and that's why he's like undersized, but it's fine because he's Aaron Donald and, and he's like, you know, strong as an ox and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Twyman wants to be that. And I, I love that. I think that's, it's, it's cool when you get somebody who plays the position uniquely and I hope he doesn't have it in his head that he has to play like a traditional three tech and and so for the Vikings they want to use him as like a nickel pass rusher like a third down only kind of pass rusher which is a sixth round pick if you're in a rotational role that's a slam dunk so hopefully he can he can find that role that's where I that's where I see him working at and and I agree I I do I I got the sense like okay Jalen that wasn't his best pro day. And that was something that I talked to, uh, I talked to cause I covered the pro day. Um, and the first thing that we saw was the bench press. And I was, I was like what they kicked it off with as far mm-hmm. as like the things that were being tested and, and, and recorded. And when he threw up 40, they were talking to Aaron Donald as, cause he was there and they're talking oh. to Aaron Donald and he's like on the microphone and he just sees him doing that. And he's just like, you see his face get, Ooh, Oh, what <laughs> and then like, and, and the guy was talking, he was Pat Boston, oh, I gotta look that up. Pick, pick quarterback. And he like, he asked him, he was like, could you do that? He's like, not at that age. Like he was just, I wasn't throwing up 40 <laughs> at that at then. And, and that's insane. Like yeah. human, like that's 225, 40 times. Yes. That's Olympic. Like what? <laughs> it was, it was on some, it was on another level. And, and see, that's the thing is that Aaron Donald, when people talk about him mentoring Jalen Twyman, it wasn't just like, Oh, Hey, I, I like this guy. You know, he like, like when he talked to Twyman, he's like, he, he got, he, he let him take 97. I mean, that was Aaron Donald's. Everyone knows mm-hmm. was 99, but he was 97 for Pitt. And like Aaron Donald was like Darrell Revis here at, at Pitt where at, when you watched it, it was just like, Oh my gosh, what's he going to do next? Cause he would just eat two people and then, and then sack the quarterback and Twyman in his, in 29. And I think that's the other issue. It was really just 2019 that he blew up. And yeah. then he didn't do, and it was like, okay, well, was that a fluke year? And then, like you said, people can ask the questions what happened at your pro day you know what i'm not going to waste time on this i'm going to look elsewhere um mm. but i did i know that you had to see the video of when the vikings called him up and you just yeah. heard the passion man that hit me hard i was like oh man yeah and you know when you're i i, I don't know this for sure but i would guess he probably thought he was going a little higher mm-hmm. um and that's an emotional day right even if you think oh maybe i'll go day three but round four goes and round five goes and sometimes you know guys fall out entirely and suddenly you're an undrafted free agent and and this might be the end of it and you know you went into the weekend thinking you could maybe if i'm lucky i'm a second round pick let's go Mm -hmm. And, and you know 48 hours later you're going am i ever gonna play football again like competitively and you like don't know and that's this it's this roller coaster so emotional the draft for these players and so it just comes to a head right pick 199 the tom brady pick Mm. uh he goes and he gets the call and yeah you just you just hear him break down but it's far from the first no, yeah, and it happens every year. There's guys that 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 expect to go high, and some of them even have reason to be like, "Hey, no, like I was told this." Uh, mm-hmm. We have Ramon Foster works for DKPittsburghSports.com. He was an undrafted lineman that draft that got picked up by the Steelers, and then he did a whole career across the 2010s with them. Um, and now he writes for us and and does shows for us at DKPittsburghSports.com. Before the draft. He wrote a whole piece about his experience and where he called it the season of lies because he's like, I was told 
so many different things by this coach and that GM and this guy and that guy. And then none of it happened. And then I was just like, what happened? And then you, and, and like you said, you go, your mind goes into a tank where you're just like, is this it? This, this thing that I've worked on for my entire life that I was hoping to set me and my family up for the next, how, for the rest of my life is that is that's gone and then you know you mm-hmm. you, you hope that something happens and I, I definitely get the sense that's where Jalen twyman and other pit players you know like uh like like damar hamlin was a guy he saw he was on he was mel kuyper's number one pick for like like four hours during during day three of the draft and he went i think late in the sixth to to the bills um you know those type of things that that has to freak you out i don't know how players manage that kind of stress yeah, and for for Jalen Twyman, he landed in a pretty good spot as a sixth round pick. Mm-hmm. A lot of sixth round picks don't have a way to the roster, you know. By the, a lot of times, right. by the sixth round, you know, you got guys that maybe they make the team, maybe they don't. For Twyman, in the interior of the defensive line where he'll play, it's a lot of run stuffers, not a lot of pass rush guys. Mm-hmm. And so that he can kind of just if he just leans in, he's like, I'm a pass rush specialist. Put me in on third and long. I'm I'm your nickel pass rusher. That is, he's got that path to the roster and that path to being on the field, productive, a part of this. Um, it might be a job that he has to compete for against, you know, an undrafted free agent or something every year, a draft pick every year, um, which the Vikings will just do. Like CJ Ham, there's a fullback in competition competing with him every single year, even though he's like a hometown guy on a big contract for a fullback and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they just kind of do that with those sort of role players. Um, but if he can find his role, you know, find your niche, find, you know, carve out your spot in the NFL and you can make a career in this league. Um, and, you know, being a, an interior pass rusher, just like his guy, Aaron Donald. Yeah, I think that that's certainly a thing. I, that's what I, wanted to, what I also wanted to ask you about before we go here. Who do you what you, you talked about? Pat Joseph's competition and how the 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 edge rusher out next to Daniel Hunter is wide open. Who's Jalen Twyman looking at, and how how is he going to have to perform? How much is he going to have to prove to get more of those snaps for the Vikings with the other defensive tackles there? Yeah, so as the nickel pass rusher, I would say there's three people, maybe four, who could get that job. Um, And I'm not counting undrafted free agents. I would imagine he has an advantage over those guys. But you've got... Um, Armin Watts out of, was it, I think it was Arkansas, uh, mm-hmm. who's a third-year player. You have James Lynch out of Baylor, who is a second-year player who was just god-awful in camp last year. He did not come along at all. Um, and then Jalen Twyman himself. And then maybe Hercules Mudafi. You might remember him out of Washington State. Uh, super, super undersized defensive tackle who they tried to move him to, like, linebacker. who came out of college at, like, 250 for a defensive tackle. Whoa. And he's put on a whole bunch of weight since um, and has kind of tried to rediscover his athleticism. So he's a really interesting case as well. Um, I think the toughest competition is probably Armin Watts, who's always been reasonably productive as, like, a rotational guy. Um, to to win that job, but I think if you, I mean, you also have you only have Michael Pearson, Dalvin Tomlinson as the rest of the group and undrafted free agents. They'll probably keep three, or four, maybe five defensive tackles. So you just kind of have to play second in that group, and you get your roster spot. All right, that's interesting to hear. I, I know Pitt fans are excited to see what these guys do. There's a lot of other guys out there on these teams, um, and where where they could where they could fit in. Um, but Luke, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time. Um, please, please let our listeners know where they can find more of your work and, and follow you and get more of what you do. 
Yeah, of course. I'm all over the Lockdown Network, just like you are. Uh, you can find me on Tuesdays on Lockdown NFL, hosting with Ross Jackson. He does the Saints, so I like to make fun of him. Um, <laughs> oh, my and... gosh. You guys can. Oh, I didn't think about that pairing before. Now, oh, that's I know. <laughs> Every time Kyle Rudolph comes up, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. That's so oh, – it's a, and Stephon Diggs and – Oh, uh-huh. man. It's a lot of pain. Oh, they they got us for the one that mattered though back in 2009. Uh, hey, 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 that's a different story. But 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 uh but 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 uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I cut you out. You just brought that up. That just made me laugh so <laughs> Is it hard. Fun? Uh <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm there with Ross every Tuesday, um, and you can find the Locked on Vikings podcast wherever you find uh, your favorite, all your favorite shows every Monday through Friday, talking all things Vikings. I also write for a website called Zone Coverage, covering Minnesota sports. I uh, write an article there twice a week. Awesome. Thanks so much, Luke. Do follow Luke and give him a five-star rating with a positive comment on all of his shows. Um, and do the same here for our DKPittsburghSports.com podcast. We cover Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, Pitt, Penn State. Uh, we even got Duquesne shows in, in the mix here. So thanks so much for listening to the H2P podcast. I'm Chris Carter. You can follow me on, on Twitter at Carter Critiques. Um, and be sure also to subscribe to our work at DKPittsburghSports.com. We've got a lot of great content coming your way at all times, especially with the Penguins and the Islanders take take the series on we've got Deion Kovacevic and Dave Molinari in New York for for game three and four of the series it's going to be an exciting time ladies and gentlemen